Hello everybody, welcome to this Talking Tendons podcast. My name is Peter Maliaris, I'm an Associate Professor at Monash University. Today I'm talking briefly about a study by one of my PhD students, Igor Sancho. The title is Recreational Runners with Achilles Synopathy have clinically... Uh, uh, have clinically detectable impairments, a case control study. So we're interested in looking further at uh, psychological and strength impairments between recreational runners with and without um, Achilles tendinopathy um, and, and looking at this in a larger case control study than what had been done uh, to date um, and also looking at maybe uh, multivariate modelling, so looking at which factors most strongly predict Achilles tenopathy, um, i.e. the presence of it, uh, you know, being in the Achilles tenopathy group or not, and also which um, factors um, predict um, uh, severity based on the visa, which is a pain and function, disease-specific pain and function outcome. Um, so what um, Igor did in this study is recruit a large number of people. There were 44 recreational male runners and 44 healthy controls that were matched. Uh, the reason we did only recruit uh, men is because uh, they are probably different for some of the characteristics we were looking at. Um, uh, so um, some of the factors that Igor looked at in terms of um, potential uh, predictors of Achilles tenopathy were things like, um, you know, psychological function based on the tamper. Uh, there was also um, the PASS, which is a pain and anxiety symptom scale. Uh, there was also things like hopping. Um, uh, there, he measured um, pain with hopping, how much hopping pain they had, so loading pain, um, as well as the visa. Um, um, outcome that I've mentioned already. Um, he looked at some um, a comprehensive battery of clinical strength tests that could be done in the clinic, and these were things like heel raise endurance, which is really commonly done for Achilles tenopathy, but also things that are less commonly done, like six uh, repetition maximum, which is a um, a repeated uh, rep max test. Um, so how much weight can you shift six times? And he did this in a seated calf raise in a Smith machine, which is something that we use commonly to assess these uh, people uh, with Achilles tendinopathy issues. Um, so that was interesting. He looked also at dynamometry around the hip, hip abduction and extension, um, and also knee extension and and uh, uh, and knee flexion, so leg curl, leg extension, uh, as a 6RM test on again on sort of 6RM machines, um, machine testing. Um, so so that was that was quite comprehensive, a look at sort of, you know, um, all these variables and how they might relate to Achilles tenopathy. He also looked at activity. So he looked at um, the IPAC questionnaire for activity and a whole, whole host of sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, demographic variables, age and uh, also... Um, BMI, height and weight, etc. So, uh, so that was basically the factors. And um, again, the the key aims were to see which factors were different between the groups on a univariate level. Just if you, um, you know, look at them individually, but then if you put them into a model, a multivariate model, which ones are the strongest predictors of Achilles tendinopathy and Achilles tendinopathy severity? Um, so, uh, what we found in this study was that. Um, um, uh, generally, um, most of the factors, I'm just looking at the table here, 
and uh, reminding myself as I go, but most of the factors were different between the groups. So they were matched for things like age um, and weights. Um, BMI was different between the groups. Um, and things like activity, uh, we didn't match one-on-one -on -one for activity. That was different. So the Achilles and Opti people were less active. Um, as you might imagine would be the case. Uh, the, the, uh, obviously they had more hopping pain and they had um, lower visa scores, so more pain and disability. Uh, they also had um, uh, more psychological symptoms like fear avoidance, kinesiophobia, as well as um, anxiety and depression. So those were present in the Achilles tendinopathy group. Um, then when you look at the strength tests, all the strength tests were different between the group groups with the Achilles tendinopathy being uh, performing uh, less well than the healthy controls on all of the uh, strength measures, the standing heel raise test, the seated calf raise test, uh, the leg extension, hip abduction, hip extension, and also another one that I didn't mention before is hopping duration, so how long they could hop for. Um, that was another measure. So all of them were impaired for the Achilles tendinopathy group, except for the leg curl. The leg curl wasn't different between the groups. Um, so that was the univariate level. And what was quite interesting with uh, what we did from an analysis point of view is that we put them into a multivariate uh, logistic regression uh, model where we tried to predict which, um, uh, which factors were most strongly predictive of Achilles tendinopathy being in the Achilles tendinopathy group. Uh, so that comes out with odds ratios as the measure of effect. And um, what we found in the multivariate model was that the, um, the factors that most strongly predicted um, uh, membership of the Achilles group were uh, having lower activity level, um, having higher seated heel raise, um, 6RM, and having, uh, and having being shorter. So those factors predicted... Um, so the, the height one is a bit odd, but the other ones are really... Um, interesting, uh, the um, and and also uh, logical that the Achilles group was basically less active, and also they had um, a lower six uh, RM strength on the seated calf raise. So it was interesting that in the multivariate model, uh, heel raise, calf raise endurance in standing was knocked out. Uh, that could be because not because. Well, it could be for a host of reasons, but uh, one of them could be that um, knee bent calf raise is more important, or it might just be the differences in the strength uh, parameter that we were measuring, i.e. The, the fact that we we're measuring 6RM versus endurance in standing might be the, might be the difference. Um, but it was a very, very strong predictor, seated heel raise uh, 6RM. Uh, it, it was definitely the strongest predictor. It had a ridiculously low odds ratio of 0.001, which is really almost hard to interpret it so low. Um, whereas something like activity, the odds ratio is 0.19, suggesting that for um, every increase in the activity scale of one, there was pretty much an 80% reduction um, in the chance of being in the tendinopathy group. So again, a strong um, odds ratio, uh, a strong effect. So uh, the, the weakest effect was for, uh, for height. Um, 
then we looked at so 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 that were interesting. Then we looked at the um, then we looked at the predictors of um, uh, severity based on the visa, and there were three predictors that were uh, retained in the final model. Um, and I, I definitely urge you to have a look at the paper because it uh, it was it was quite a um, a very very a priori and structured process of coming up with the model. Um, so looking at different models and model fit um, to come up with the best model. But in in this model predicting visa, what we found is that um, BMI was a was a predictor. So the higher the BMI, uh, the lower the visa, or vice versa. Um, and also uh, pain during hopping, which is not surprising because it's sort of an overlapping measure um, with uh, pain and function in the uh, pain and disability in the visa. Uh, and then leg curl 6RM, which was a bit of an odd one, but did was retained in the final model. So we discussed some of the implications in detail, uh, but I think the, probably the most interesting is that um, we have identified that um, it does seem that uh, there are differences in terms of leg function, whether that's just a global reduction in leg capacity driven by factors like fear um, or less activity is hard to say, uh, but it does seem that seated calf raise, at least in this cohort, was a strong predictor um, of, uh, of, uh, of the Achilles uh, tendinopathy group. Um, so definitely something to consider uh, when you're assessing people. Um, and there were also some novel predictors of, um, of severity, BMI, and uh, being probably, I think, an interesting one uh, to explore some of the mechanisms there, which we talk about in the discussion. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Now, probably the last thing to mention is looking at interpreting the uh, seated calf raise. So one of the things that has come out of the uh, seated calf raise is if you look at table one, you can see the differences between seated calf raise in both groups. And um, it's normalized to body weight. And generally, the people that were recreational runners without Achilles tendinopathy could do 1.5 times their body weight. So if they weighed 100 kilos, they could push 150 kilos for a 6RM. Uh, whereas the other group, the Achilles group, tendinopathy group, could do 1.27. So the difference was 0.23 um, uh, body weights. Um, and that, uh, it, the interesting thing about that is how narrow the confidence intervals are. The 95% confidence interval is so narrow. That <laughs> that's why the effect was quite large for that one. Um, so we think that a target of 1.5 for recreational runners on body weights uh, for seated calf raise is probably a reasonable target to aim for. So it's a nice clinical uh, take home from uh, the paper. Excellent. So look, I hope you enjoyed that. I will link the papers and also Eagle's other papers in the, um, in the uh, podcast episode. Uh, and I'll see you next time.